Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Storytellers Podcast. I'm your host, Marsha Hoffines, and today I am joined by Casey Crow-Taylor. Casey uh, came into my life over DMs in, in, on Instagram back in 2020. Yeah, COVID. So funny how things work, right? Um, we didn't, we had never met each other. I don't even know what it was that got us talking to each other. And quite honestly, it was the best chance I ever took um, in my life by just randomly messaging some girl, uh, other woman, I should say, not a girl. That makes it sound strange and creepy. Um, And just took a chance on being like, oh, I want to meet a friend. And this is how I'm going to meet this friend. And friend indeed uh casey is an extraordinary human being she is uh one of the smartest women i've met um in a i'm not gonna say in a long time because that makes it sound like the women that i've met are not smart but she's very very smart she has a dynamic career history um she is brave she's a voice she is a master marketing um person, I don't marketing person, marketing magician, I should say. And she is um, a daughter, a sister, a wife, a friend, a mother, and she's got some big stories to tell and share. And she does it boldly and loudly and bravely um, on Instagram. And she's definitely somebody that you guys want to pay attention to and follow. She's wise behind her years, and I'm honored to call her my friend, and I'm happy that she's going to be joining me for a series um, talking about um, motherhood, her path to motherhood, her path to motherhood alongside entrepreneurship, her path to motherhood alongside entrepreneurship and COVID and postpartum depression and getting pregnant again during COVID and all that came along with that. So you guys know the drill. Grab your coffee, grab your tea, pop in your iPods, and we're going to get started. That was so hey. lovely. Oh, hey, Casey. <laughs> oh, how I are you? Wait. <laughs> She's like, I just can't wait for you to say hi. Um, I need you to introduce me wherever I go because I, normally I'm just like, um, I'm Casey. I don't really know what else to tell you because there's like, how much time do you have? <laughs> you know, it's, it's every time I, I do these um, interviews with people, people are like, that was so lovely. And I think like a good intro makes you just feel great to hear about you through somebody else's eyes. But I mean it all. And I love you dearly. And I'm so happy that you're going to have this conversation with me. Love you. Me too. Good. So Casey, I, um, you know, I kind of in your intro gave a brief overview um, of what we're going to be talking about. And I know that your, your story starts long before I ever met you. And um, the thing that I think is super interesting, and I just want to give this as a preface to everyone is, you know, I'm 50. I had my daughters when I was in 27, 28 years old, 28 and 29 years old. Um, at the turn, you know, 1999, 2001, um, social media 
wasn't really the thing that it is today. I I had Parents Magazine to inform me of all the things and a baby story on TLC, which was like my favorite thing in the whole wide world to watch. But there weren't the resources and there wasn't um, the seeming pressure that I always am expressing to Casey. Like I'm always like, I don't, I could not be a young mom in this era of being a mom. I, I think it's a really uh, brave thing. And and I, and I bet people who were in their fifties when I was having kids felt the same way, right? Because information evolves and it grows and it's supposed to, but I feel like um, there's just a lot of things that I can't necessarily connect with that are going on with young moms right now. Right. Um, just because you know, the bento box is a thing and everyone's got food allergies and there's like all this stuff that I just, we didn't have. Right. I threw my kid in daycare and I went to work and that was like, I had an epidural. I didn't think about anything. I didn't just, I just didn't think about the things. So I will be 100% honest when I say that some of the things that I know go on for all of you right now, is very different than was when I was parenting my children. Um, And the one thing that I will say that I think is incredible that is becoming more spoken about is motherhood, depression, and the things that go along with it. Because I will say, I know that I had depression after I had my daughters and I just didn't know. And there wasn't, I didn't feel like I even had an opportunity to explore that, right? Like it wasn't something that I was like, oh, I maybe I should go talk to somebody about this. I just kept going. So um, with that, I, I I know that we have a starting point and an ending point um, of what we want to talk about and what we want to cover in the next three episodes together. Um, and I just want to turn it over to you and just allow you space to just start where you want to start today. Ooh, okay. Um I think, um, I think as a little tiny starting point, um, if someone's listening and they feel like they may be experiencing some kind of beyond normal anxiety and depression, like the best thing you can do is one, find some, find a support person, whether that's your mother or your husband, a sister, a friend, um, And let them know what you're going through and find a therapist. I know that therapy is not as available as it, as it should be. And that's kind of why my first instinct is to find someone who won't judge you, who will just listen, who will just be there to check in on you. Um, And that's a hard step too. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but those are the first two steps or those were the first two steps for me. Um, And I think if you're questioning whether or not your, uh, your mental health is, is, you know, sustainable or not, I would say the answer is to start exploring what help looks like, because um, if you think that it's probably not at a normal level, your inner voice is telling you to seek some support. Um, I think 
for me with my experience with postpartum depression, I got to a point where I could not go on. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was no other option, but to seek support. Um, and I would highly recommend not getting to that point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but my, we can kind of go into my first experience with depression without it being like, uh, diagnosed or even really recognized with me was, uh, after I had my, my first pregnancy ended in miscarriage, I had what's called a missed miscarriage, Mm. um, or sorry, a missed miscarriage. And basically what that means is I have no signs of miscarriage. What happened was, is I went in for the pregnancy confirmation appointment and the Um, there technically was signs of a heartbeat, but the embryo was measuring six weeks when it should have been eight. Um, and then at the next appointment, there was no heartbeat. And so it was diagnosed miscarriage. Um, I had a DNC, which was heartbreaking. Um, and then I had just moved here from Manhattan. So I had just moved to a brand new city. I had just started, I think I was three weeks into a new job. I had no one here. My husband and I had no one nearby. Um, And so it was very, it was a very heavy thing to carry um, and not be able to talk about it. No one was really, and so this was in early 2016. I think now there's so much conversation on social media and um, motherhood publications have become huge. And there's so much more resources for women who go through miscarriage, which is incredible because when I went through it, the only thing that would get me through some days was like finding something and um, finding somebody else's story. What I was desperate for was a story where somebody like lived through it and was okay. Um, because at this time, I think our doctor advised us, advised me to wait um, to try and conceive again after I had one normal cycle, um, which happened pretty much immediately for me. So we were trying with no luck um, month after month. So that was just add, <laughs> that was like, um, salt to a wound. It was just added grief on top of already overwhelming grief. Um, but so there were like a couple stories I found. Um, I don't know if anybody remembers Leandra Cohen. Um, she was the man repeller. I don't even know what she's doing now, but she was, um, on her podcast monocycle. She was being very open with her infertility, um, journey which was like, I had never heard anyone talk about it before. Um, and so that was a resource I had. Um, there was another New York Times reporter who actually miscarried her baby at seven months. Um, or, or, um, maybe it was, maybe it was shorter than that. Maybe it was 17 weeks. Seven is sticking out to me, but, um, there wasn't a lot of resources. It was very hard. Um, it was very hard for me to, um, when people asked how I was or how things were going with like, you know, you just moved here. How's everything? Um, 
it was like a very painful experience to like have all of this, um, all of this grief and sadness and just heavy stuff behind the, like it just was behind the veil. And that's kind of what it felt like. Like I was just carrying so much behind this very thin, thin veil. Um, and it wasn't until I had um, a New York friend was in DC for work and we got lunch and she asked me how I was. And I just was honest and told her everything. And it was so, um, I thought it was going to be hard. Um, and it was a lot, but like, I just, I can vividly remember what it felt like to walk out of that restaurant <laughs> because I literally felt like I was walking on air. Mm. Um, and that's when I really discovered, um, the power of, of saying what you really are feeling versus mm -hmm. hiding behind this thin, um, veil that is like, um, it's so thin, like it, 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 but it's, but it's overwhelming until you do it the first few times. Um, and then I just... <laughs> Um, to lots of people's discomfort, I just started telling everyone because it just freed me from walking around like I was a thousand pounds. Like I just every single um, like every single morning for a long time when I woke up, it just felt so impossible. Um, and the other thing about this is like with with infertility and and miscarriage is I had probably the hardest relationship with my body that I've ever had um, because I may, felt like my body failed me. Um, and I had a very hard time getting in the shower because you're, you're with your body in the shower. Right. And so um, like getting into showers was one of the hardest things for me mm -hmm. um, because it was just like being forced to look at, like a flat, empty stomach, which when you think about all the other body image issues, right? It's like, it just is, it's so wild because before I had the miscarriage, I would have never, like, it would have been the opposite, right? Mm -hmm. Because we're shoved down our throats, flat stomachs, right? Mm -hmm. And then that very thing that I had was like, so, um, I don't want to say traumatizing, but so difficult for me to be with. Um, and I'm going all over the place, but there was, there was a bar three studio underneath my office in Georgetown um, that a couple of my colleagues were going to at lunchtime. And I started going to that and that really helped me um, rebuild the relationship with my body. Mm. Um, I had never really worked out in my life to feel strong. I mean, I grew up in like the nineties, early two thousands where like supermodels were like everything. And it was just thin, thin, thin. There was no talk about women's bodies being strong. Mm. And so I had never worked out to be strong. I had always worked out to be thin or stay thin. And so this was the first time that I was actually, you know, this environment of the bar three was like getting stronger and building muscle um, 
And so that really helped my, that really helped me rebuild my relationship with my body. And also just think about, um, like mentally becoming stronger. There was just like a whole mind, body, soul experience for me in that, especially as you, um, you know, in, in the bar workouts, cause I had done bar workouts before I did bar workouts before my wedding in New York city. Um, but the mental connection just wasn't there. Um, and so th that was kind of one of the ways that I started to come out. But I mean, um, this like heavy grief depression lasted for a year for me. So this is like stories over a year. This wasn't like a three month thing where mm -hmm. like suddenly things were healing. It was, it, it was a long process, but the, the bar classes were kind of my first, um, area of healing, which was probably the most essential mm -hmm. thing, because again, like showering is pretty important <laughs> and I really needed to, um, and of course I didn't seek out to go to bar classes to heal my body. I just was like, Oh, all these other people at work are like going to this. I should probably, this just might be good for me to try. Um, and so that was kind of the first step after just tearing through the internet for other people's stories like reddit threads was kind of all the, like reddit threads and then like random forums on like the bump.com but even those were like they weren't stories of i mentally made it through this they were stories of oh i miscarried and then i got pregnant three months later and they mm. there, it just there wasn't any survival stories the stories that i needed and wanted to read um and so it was a lot of that, just scouring the internet to find things. I think there was, um, oh gosh, I can't remember her name, but I have the link to the story, but there was a, um, there is a article by a woman, she's an actress who um, I think suffered more than one miscarriage, but she wrote this piece in a pop culture magazine that was like, had some humor to it. And it just, I have it saved somewhere. Um, that was a super healing article for me. And I, I also, I think it was maybe, um, two to three weeks after my miscarriage that, um, it came out in the news that Janet Jackson was pregnant at 50 and I cried for weeks, mm. yeah. <laughs> weeks after that headline, because it just felt like, I just, I, I remember reading it and just like falling to the floor which sounds so dramatic but it was just like it just felt so unbelievable I was um I think I was 28 when we started trying to get pregnant so uh uh no I was 27 it took us six months to even get pregnant the first time so um I had just turned 28 when I when I had the miscarriage but it just like um those kinds of news stories like at your fingertips right mm -hmm. like if it was 10 years before that and maybe somebody would have mentioned it to me I guess maybe in passing or something but it wouldn't have been the like news alert on the phone right <laughs> sorry yeah you've just you've shared so much and I love like I've just taken so many notes like really great um awareness and noticing and you know one of the things that I heard and I heard you mention several times, and it's interesting because this thematically seems to be coming up in 
conversations for me in other ways right now is this idea of we have a tendency in life to let things go to keep other people comfortable. And I, and, and you mentioned it through like, I just wasn't saying anything and it was a veil and I was just showing up and just trying to keep going. And, and I mean, you actually then did use the word at, to a lot of other people's discomfort. You finally just started sharing. Um, and it's, it's it really an interesting thing when you share the story about being able to open up to your friend and really let it out, the one who came down from New York and you felt like you had the space to just really open up. It's like, that's when you allow, it, it's almost like that was this transition point for you where you allowed the healing to start and you allowed yourself to start receiving healing for yourself. And, and yeah. to yeah. me, that's because when the, the bail's up, you can't, yeah, you can't get anything. Yeah. Cause we're just closed off from every opportunity. Um, and, the, and, and, and there's just no room for it because you're so full of grief and your own thoughts and your own thoughts have so much more power when they're in your head versus when you actually speak them out loud. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, that's this moment where you, uh, chose for yourself that something needed to change and, um, you know, just like you said, your two tips at the beginning were like, talk to someone like that, that talking to someone can really just be that moment that starts a whole brand new cycle for you, wherever you are in your journey. Right. It's, um, I, I always joke and it's not a joke, but the, the gift that I have always had is I'm not shy to tell anybody anything that's going on with me. Sometimes, again, to, to people's great discomfort because nobody wants to listen. No, And I shouldn't say that. I think more and more people are now willing to listen because they understand that this is how we we humans, I mean, we heal through storytelling. And, and the, that's the other piece of the puzzle that um, is fascinating to me is... 2016, 2017, that's not that long ago. And people were still a little closed lip about putting stuff out there. And obviously this is called the Storytellers Podcast. And my whole business for the most part is built around this idea of sharing stories and people coming together in, um, I was almost going to say container and I'm not going to say that, um, I, in, in rooms together and in, in, in safe spaces so that they can share and you can feel that connection because when you when you see someone else going through what you're going through or having had a similar experience, you feel like, oh my gosh, I'm not alone. Holy shit, this is not just me. Nothing is wrong with me, right? And the other thing that I thought was just so interesting was the whole conversation around body image, right? Like when you feel like your body is failing you and not there for you, like um, and we didn't talk about that piece of the puzzle. And you are absolutely right. For the longest time, it was all about Twiggy and being like, you know, these beautiful models who then turned into these fitness gurus somehow, right? Like I had all the Cindy Crawford workout videos, like somehow she did three squats and this was like the way to her fame. And I'm like, that doesn't work for me, right? It's um, I'm I'm being lighthearted about it, but it's true, and it's it's got it's got this demented ef ef effect on us, particularly when we aren't built that way. And now we are talking about more and more women's bodies and being strong and all that kind of stuff. So um, that could be a whole other topic for another time. So 
um, you know, you have this really interesting for, so like for a year you keep trying, right. And you're, you're going through all of this. Um, what, what was it like for you and your husband, um, for the, for during this time, like getting through this together? Oh gosh, that's hard. That's, um, I think, um, it's hard for me to remember what it was like for him because I was so overwhelmed with my own Mm. grief. Um, and I think the thing with when you're trying to get pregnant and you're not getting pregnant is that it's this really vicious cycle of, uh, you have a two week period where you are trying your very best to be so positive and hopeful. And you're just like, this is it. This is the month. Like, and then you, you know, you, you try for like the week, um, that you're supposed to be in your ovulation period. And then you're just like in anxious waiting hell. Mm. and you're taking negative pregnancy tests after a negative pregnancy test. And you're looking at them in like with flashlights and, um, you know, like just going crazy, trying to see two lines. Um, and then you get your period and you're devastated. Like there, like I can, I can vividly remember at least three times getting my period in my office bathroom losing it having to run downstairs to my car to just like try and collect myself like it was and like it's funny because I remember just being like so thankful that I didn't work in New York City anymore because like I don't know where I would have been able to like hide from anybody in New York Mm -hmm. City like I don't know where like it was kind of like you know Um, and like, there were like days, um, you know, there were like days where women in the office announced that they were pregnant and I would have to run down to my car. Um, and I just remember just, just the, the heartbreak after heartbreak every single month. Um, and I got to, a point where I just like, I, I, I couldn't take it anymore. Mm. Um, and it's so hard because you want something so bad and then you feel like you're quitting and then it's like, but I just, um, so we were actually supposed to spend Christmas with my husband's family at the end of 2016. And it was, Thanksgiving would have been the due date for our first pregnancy. And when I got my period on Thanksgiving morning, sorry. Okay. Take your time. Um, I had a conversation with my parents and I was just like, 
so broken. This is the one story that gets me every time. Um, but I talked to my parents. My parents were going to be in St. Thomas with some of my other family for that Christmas. And I was just like, I can't not like be with my family. It's too much. So we had to cancel Christmas with my husband's family and I felt so terrible, but I just knew, um, uh, I, I, I just knew I wouldn't, I would just be a mess. And I just, um, my dad's side of the family <clears throat> is a really huge, comically large, close-knit group. And I just knew that that would be the healing place for me. Mm -hmm. um, and it was. And so we, um, I went on that trip. It was so great um, to just be like uplifted and just be around people who... I didn't have to pretend with, I didn't have to impress. I could just be myself and laugh and be ridiculous. Um, and it was just, and, and that was when I, I finally decided obviously with my husband that I needed a break from trying to get pregnant. Mm. Um, and I just needed to, there are just these mental chains on you when you're trying to get pregnant where like, it just takes up so much mental and emotional energy to be like hopeful and then crushed. It's just not sustainable to like live in that kind of fight or flight chaotic space for so long. And so even just the first month of January, I, I felt so much better because I just wasn't agonizing over every single symptom um, every single thing I felt, um, you know, wondering when my ovulation was, it was just like, it was so freeing. Um, and that was actually when, um, I opened my photography business. So, mm. um, kind of like a, a missing piece to go back in time a little bit. Um, one of the stories that I read I think on refinery 29 about miscarriage talked about a woman who had her miscarriage and she found some really great healing through like a creative writing class that she took. And so I think this was probably around May or June, 2016. I was like, what? I was like, that sounds amazing. Like what, what like piece of art, like what kind of art would be really interesting for me to take. And I've always loved taking photos. Um, and at that point, like Instagram was like totally different, but like Instagram was like all about like aesthetics and photos. And I was good at it, um, even without just with my iPhone. And so um, I had an old DSLR from my mom. And so I was like, you know what? I want to learn how to like use a camera, like really get the technical skills and learn how to take really good photos. And so I found a photography class at the Art League in Old Town, Alexandria, mm -hmm. which was literally two blocks from my apartment in old town. Um, and it was $250 for a weekly class the whole summer. So I was like, done, signed up. Um, and going to that class, like learning something 
where I could be visually creative was like another was like the second part of my healing process. Um, and so at the end of that summer, I was like, you know, I really love people. I love connecting with people. I love hearing people's stories. I love talking to people. Like I haven't tried to photograph people. So, um, I photographed my sister's, um, <clears throat> freshman roommates rehearsal dinner in September of 2016. And I just, and I did it for free, obviously. Um, I just wanted to like, see what it was like, see if I liked it. And I was when I tell you, like from that moment on, I was head over heels, completely obsessed with the idea of becoming a wedding photographer. It was like any moment I wasn't sleeping or at my nine to five, <coughs> I was practicing photography, learning editing on the internet. I was so, um, you know, I just went so hard on that, was part of that because I was escaping something else maybe, but it worked in my favor in the long run. Um, but so I had been from September, 2016, I had been exploring this idea of becoming a wedding photographer. And so mm -hmm. I went on the trip with my family. I came back in January. We weren't trying anymore. I booked my first two weddings that month. Um, which was crazy because I had never even shot a wedding before and two people hired me in like the very first month that I decided to start my business. Um, and my business just kind of like caught on like a wildfire from there. And I was able to leave my super toxic nine to five, um, just five months later. Hmm. Um, and just every month I felt better and better. And every month I felt more like myself and every month I was able to, I just kept betting on myself, like, like wildly betting on myself. Um, and I just kept watching it work and succeed every month over and over again. Um, <clears throat> and then, um, yeah, so I went self-employed in, in May of 2017. I've been self-employed since. Um, which I'm very proud of, even though my business has gone through many evolutions. Um, but it was Valentine's Day, early 2018, that my husband sat down with me and started talking about, like, because there were other times where he asked me if I was ready and I said no, and he never said another thing. Mm -hmm. And then we had a conversation again in around Valentine's day, <clears throat> February, 2018 about trying again, later on the table. I was very honest. Um, I was kind of like, okay, like if we do this, um, <laughs> like this is what we're going to do. We're going to do six months and then I'm going to need to like take a break again because I don't know that I can put myself through a whole year of that. And I am very good at, um, what is it that my therapist says, um, borrowing worries from the future mm -hmm. and getting way too ahead of myself, mm -hmm. um, where I'm like already like, and my husband is very good at saying like, why don't we just take it one month by one month? Let's not think about what's going to happen 
let's look at 30 days from now. That's it. And then we'll come back. And so I was like, okay, if we're going to do this, we're going to like go all out. I did like, I, I did like everything on the internet I could find about getting pregnant. Like I had a massage the day before I ovulated. I used this like fertility lube. I like ate certain things. I went like crazy about it. And again, I was self-employed, so I could kind of like go ridiculously with this. Um, And so technically that month, if we didn't get pregnant that month, which is another big fear I had. So if we didn't get pregnant that month, that meant we had to go get fertility tests. Mm. So that was like a big fear because I think if we had to have gone that route, it just would have been a mess. But anyway, we did it again. I'm like borrowing into a future that didn't even happen. Anyway, um, but we wound up getting pregnant that first month. We tried again. And I, I mean, getting pregnant is like, it's just, it's a shot in the dark. And that's mm-hmm. just like plain and simple, but I, but I can't help but know myself and know that, um, my body just needed to heal. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was, I, um, you know, I don't like the saying everything happens for a reason because I've just, there are things that I've seen that I just can't agree with that. But I do think for me, from my perspective, like I was so broken and heartbroken from miscarriage that like my body just knew um, that I just needed healing time. I needed space and healing time. And I know that not everybody can afford time mm-hmm. when it comes to getting pregnant. And I was lucky to be in a place where I started young and I could take a year off. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I, I acknowledge that too, but I think like, I, I just, my body just desperately needed the space to heal. Um, God, these spam calls. I always think it's like the kids daycare. Sorry. Um, but so I got pregnant with our oldest daughter that very first month that we tried again. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's funny because when I got pregnant, the very first time when I miscarried, I was a nervous wreck. Um, it just Mm -hmm. from the very get go, something just felt not right. Um, and I was very nervous and I freaked out over everything. But when I got pregnant with Margot, even though I had the miscarriage, like I just felt very confident, very at ease. I didn't have a lot of worries. And I felt really grateful for that because I've heard other stories from women who once they do get pregnant, it's so difficult and they freak out. And I just like, um, and let me tell you, if that if we did get pregnant six or seven months after the miscarriage, it would have been a very different story. I know that mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. But I think because I had the space to heal, um, also just experiencing going through the hardest thing you've ever gone through and then coming out on the other side is just mm-hmm. like a, a a healing moment of its own where you're like, oh, I just saw, I just watched myself um, survive and and almost um, be even better than I was before that tragic thing. So um, yeah, I just, I was never really worried. I felt very confident. I had a great 
um, first pregnancy. Um, <clears throat> and I think one of the things that served me in the first year with Margot really was just like um, one of the perspectives that I was grateful for, which sounds kind of crazy when you say it out loud, but um, I knew how hard not being a mom was for me. And so even though like when you become a mom, it's very hard. It, it, for me comparatively, it just, it didn't even come close to not being a mom. And so like getting woken up, I, I, I'm going to tell you right now, I have two kids now. Um, and I, I don't feel the perspective has changed a little bit, but like I used to wake up at three o'clock in the morning, like so freaking grateful, like thrilled. I don't mm -hmm. do that anymore. To be very honest. My daughter woke me up at three o'clock uh, last night and I was not yeah, you know, it's I was not this grateful. Yeah. So, it, it, you know, you, you, you brought up this idea of like, you gave yourself space to heal. And I, and I, and I, I can't help but keep relating it back to this idea of like, allowing ourselves to receive, right, to receive the healing to receive. And, and also not just quote, unquote, let it go. And I, and, and, and bear with me for a moment, because what I think a lot of us do out of shame, out of feeling, um, you know, when you're seeing all the people around you getting pregnant and someone's getting pregnant at 50, you, you try so hard to just block it out and not deal with it. And I think the, the thing that I'm really hearing that you did was you allowed yourself to actually even though it was super uncomfortable, you let yourself deal with it. Like inside, you let yourself examine how your relationship to your body had changed and how you wanted it to be strong. You, you didn't keep putting yourself in this exhausting cycle of let's try again and let's try again and let's try again. You evaluated, um, and again, not everybody has this luxury. So I, and I understand this, but you evaluated how stress from work was um, impacting you. You, you sought out some kind of creative outlet and not as an escape, but as a way to allow yourself to receive healing. Like that's what I just keep hearing this, this through thematically, right? Like you allowed yourself to step back instead of just making everybody else comfortable and going along with it and just pushing through and pushing through, like we have a tendency to do, you allowed yourself to kind of go, oh no, I need to actually take care of this body. And I don't think it is by any um, coincidence that your body was then ready and relaxed and you were ready and relaxed. Therefore, you know, and, 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 and I will say this isn't everyone's story. Right. And I, and I know that. And I actually, the one time, like when I was having my babies, um, there was a woman that I worked with who was having a really, really hard time getting pregnant. And once she quit working at AOL within three months, she was pregnant. And there is something real about, there's something real about like your stress levels and just pushing through and just going right. That impacts our physiology. And again, everyone is different. This is not to say that's what is going to be it for everybody. And some people have to go through IVF and some people have different types of struggles. Um, but just listening to your story and what worked for you 
and what you did for yourself was just like this deep inner listening and like almost like a reckoning that I have to do this for me in order for me to get to this next space. And now the perspective, you know, this immense gratitude that you carried into your first um, pregnancy with your first daughter. And then through that first year of, of, of her life. Right. Yeah. And I think um, I liked what you said about like, because when I think about the, I think it was, it was 10 or 11 months of trying to conceive after the miscarriage. And when I think about like the thing that you said about like space, and when I think about my mental state, there was no space. Like there just was no space for um, any creation. Mm -hmm. Um, I I was working really hard to make that space, but there just wasn't enough. And then, um, you know, I had quit the job. I had started my own business. I was doing really well in starting my own business. I had had it. I'd been self-employed for a year. Um, And so it, yeah, it just... It was just the right time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that creative outlet and the space that you just, yeah, the just, it's incredible what, um, you know, and I'm going to relate this to something and it's to- uh, something that I'm going to relate it to totally unrelated. It seems to be right now, the number one thing that I am t- having conversations about in all of my coaching calls with people is this inability to make right decisions, inability to get things done, this inability to reduce their stress. And then people just not giving themselves time and space to have their own creative process, to have their own sense of healing and internal work. And it doesn't have, it's not going to look the same for everybody. And I believe I believe um, this gift of space and time can be found in a so in a variety of ways, right? Even if it's like 15 minutes in the middle of the day, it's 20 minutes at the end of the day, it's five minutes in the beginning of the day. That's time, that's space, and that's for you. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, one of the things specifically in the last four months for me that I've really discovered is that um there's a difference between um spending your time being busy and spending your time just creating the life that you want so I think Mm. um just to like dig into that because like if if somebody who is not a young mom came and followed me all day long, they would just be like, Oh my God, you're just so busy. Like you're never not doing something. You're not, you're always on. Um, and I think, uh, for me though, like I'm busy doing the things that I really want to do. Just, and like, let me just say that, um, Do I want to like negotiate with a really smart four-year-old every day? Sometimes no, I don't. But like (laughs) if I take a step back at the end of every day and I look at how I spent my time, which is like, like, you know, wrangling my kids, um, work, like working in my business, 
uh, like working out, like literally 5am to 9pm, I don't stop Mm -hmm. moving. But when I take a step back, I can just my time is filled and I am busy doing exactly what I want to be doing and how it like if I'm going to be busy, which I'm going to be busy in the season of my life, I have a four year old, a one and a half year old, my husband, I want one more kid. This is our season of busy. Mm -hmm. Um, So if I can just accept that, and just focus on being busy doing the things that are really important to me, that feels a lot different to me than being busy with stuff I don't want to be doing. Yeah. Casey, wow, this conversation was like, so full like already right and i and i um i want to make sure that the the messages and the teachings and the story isn't missed by going too far too long so i think that that was actually like a just perfect. such a perfect like time to just go okay we're going to just close this one up for today um and guys i hope you really um enjoyed the story and Casey, thank you for bringing your whole self to this conversation and allowing yourself to have um, the vulnerability. These are not easy conversations to have, to share. And I know you do it from a space of wanting someone this to land on someone's ears who might feel alone, might feel a little disconnected and might be um, going through something themselves. And I'm going to wrap up this conversation today just by saying, if you are feeling alone and you are feeling like you um, need someone to talk to, I am going to, in the show notes, put the resources for mental health awareness and and, and numbers to call um, and reach out to a friend. You know, again, that's a great place to start, but know that you are not alone and you are loved and you are supported. And um, the first step in healing is to allow for someone else to see you fully. So thank you for bringing that to the forefront too today. Yeah. And my, my DMs are open. I am so open to receiving, I Mm -hmm. receive messages from women who um, I have a, I have a postpartum depression blog that I get a lot of women messaging me about and just how much they needed it. And it was, again, um, I created that because it was what I needed in my yeah. the depths of my postpartum depression. Yeah. Um, so thank you. You can link. That too. Yeah, we'll have it all linked up. And um, again, thanks guys for tuning in and listening. This is part one of a three part series that I'll be having with Casey. So um, stay tuned for more. And you guys know the drill. Go be magic. Go be you and go do big things. Bye.